Your sacred space is where you can find yourself again and again. Joseph Campbell Welcome to Self-Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. Today we're continuing the topic of solitude, specifically how to create a solitude practice. We have a couple of exercises coming up in the segment, so have a notebook and pen ready if you'd like to take part. Before we get into creating a solitude practice, I want to talk a little bit about what we spoke of in the last segment, which is solitude itself and why it's important. Solitude is a way for us to recharge our soul's batteries so we can give back to the world around us. Many people think that it's selfish to take regular time for yourself, but in fact, it's the opposite. We do this, we create this time for ourselves so that we can reconnect to our highest self and refill ourselves with love. And once we're saturated with that love, Naturally, we want to share that love. I mean, if you imagine filling up anything to its top, what happens next is it spills over, and that's what happens with us. We naturally want to share the love that we're filled with. And we also have the energy to do that, and that's really important. If we don't take time for ourselves, we end up giving and giving, and this is sort of the caretaker syndrome where People are just giving their energy out to others because they feel in some way or another obligated to do this, but they don't have the energy themselves to give. So taking time for ourselves is really essential. It gives us the chance to recharge our soul's batteries. When we don't do that, our soul energy is depleted and we become void of that giving nature that's innate in all of us. So let's talk for a second about sacred space. Now, ideally what you'll want is at some point when you start a solitude practice, you will want to create a space that's just yours. This could be an entire room. This could be a shelf. This could be a corner of a room. Some place in your home that serves as a symbol of your intention, your dedication to your solitude practice. Where you actually practice is entirely up to you. It could be in that sacred space. If you have a nice corner of your room or your office, if you have a home office or a guest room, or if you have, if you live in a nice area where there's predominantly good weather and there's a nice shed that you have in your backyard or even a furnished basement, some section there that you would return to that space time and time again to practice solitude. And that could be whatever it is that you choose to do. It may also be that your solitude practice happens out in nature, a hike or something like this. So obviously you would consider that your sacred space, but it's also more fluid. What I'm talking about is having a dedicated spot in your home, whether it is, as I said, a full room, a shelf, a table that has power items on it, very much like an altar, which we'll talk about in a minute. That way, every time you walk by this room, this shelf, this table, this corner that's dedicated to your solitude practice, even if you're not able to practice in that space, it's a reminder and it's a symbol of your dedication to yourself. So it's important to create that sacred space. Once you've established a space that's just yours, you're going to want to add some items, objects, totems to make that 
a sacred, sacred space. What are those items and where can you find them? This is part of the fun. You get to decide what belongs in your sacred space. That's the whole idea. So when you go looking for your power items that are going to go in your sacred space, you are the guide. You make the decision. It's exactly the same as your solitude practice. What you do during your two minutes or two hours of solitude practice is entirely up to you. That's the point. You are in charge. So anything can be placed in your space as long as it speaks to you directly and it resonates that intention of connecting with your higher self. So the only rule is forget what you think is supposed to be in there. Let your gut choose your items. Walt Whitman says, dismiss whatever insults your own soul. That's a great guide for creating sacred space and what goes in it. So if you're not a big fan of crystals and incense and candles and all that, don't put them in there. It's fine. Whatever it is that seems sacred to you is fine. No one's watching you. No one's judging you. This is yours. So the more you connect with your purest instincts, the more powerful your space is going to be. If you're still not sure what would go on or in your sacred space, you can, of course, take a tip from our ancestors. Thousands of years, there have been sacred spaces, and there are items that represent the four directions or the, the four elements. The east is usually associated with air. The south is usually associated with fire. The west with water and the north with earth. So you can actually create a nice four-direction altar space or sacred space using items from those directions and those elements. A lot of people do vision boards. That's great. Why don't you do a, a, a living vision board? And you can change the items on your altar, on your sacred space, within your sacred space as much as you want. So you might have a theme or something you're working on, positivity or abundance or health or compassion. All that matters is that you select individual items that resonate with you. I'm going to give you a few ideas. So there are rocks or stones. In the shamanic tradition, we refer to them as ancestors because they've been here a lot longer than we have and are really charged with energetic experience. Uh, you might put that in the north section for earth. Feathers are wonderful. Feathers usually represent air or the east. I won't go through all the all of the directions, but you're getting the idea. If you work with any spirit guides, if you work with any compassionate helping spirits, power animals, angels, a small representation of those can go in your sacred space. Gemstones, water, any jewelry that means something to you. One I really like is any photographs of, of loved ones, ancestors or teachers, people who inspire you, to whom you want to show respect and honor. You can have pieces of driftwood. You can have pottery and candles if you're into it. You can even put your journal in the sacred space and keep it charged. Drums, rattles, offering bowls, incense, fabric, you get the idea. Flowers are great, and you can change them as you wish. So once you've collected a fair amount of these items, you can actually charge them, give them, imbue them with power and intention by welcoming them, saying a few words of welcome, and even asking that they assist you in creating and maintaining your solitude practice and developing your highest self. You may also wish to burn some sage and clear the area and clean each of your power items by moving it through the sage smoke. 
and whatever you decide to do that feels right is the right way to do it. These are just suggestions. So if you're not really sure where to find your power items, this is a great exercise. And you won't do it now, but you'll remember it or jot down the notes now and you can try this later. So go outside. This is a, a wonderful way to do it. Take a nice deep breath and set your intention to find a power item. Just walk around the area right where you live, even if you live in the city. I've done this practice in the city where I was looking for a particular power item to work with and wandering the streets of Manhattan, and I found this amazing pink rock out of nowhere. I mean, it was really crazy, actually. It had no business being there, but I had set the intention to find something very wonderful, and so there it was. So begin walking around wherever it is you live. And then you just want to keep an eye out for an object or objects that seem to kind of leap out at you. Sometimes they almost glow and just give you a sense of knowing in your belly that this is something that I need to have. So you pick it up and you hold it and you ask, is this okay? Can I bring you home? Can I put you in my sacred space? And if it seems like it's okay, then yes, you can bring it back in, into your sacred space and do this as often as you need to. This is a great exercise, by the way, to just walk around with intention, looking for something that will help support you in your solitude practice journey. So that's your sacred space. That's the place where you're going to return to, even if you have your solitude practice elsewhere, even if your solitude practice is taking a hike, taking a bath, reading a book, meditating, wherever it is that you choose to have your solitude practice take place you will always have this sacred space that is a reminder of your intention. And again, the intention is to give back to the world by regenerating yourself. Keep in mind that the solitude practice is really about you connecting to yourself, stopping all the voices in your head that are telling you otherwise, the parts of you that are comparing yourself to others, telling yourself you can't do this or you can do that or what's right and what's wrong. Your solitude practice is a complete celebration of you, the you-ness of you. We run into trouble when we start comparing ourselves to others. Oh, well, I should be at this place in my life. I should be there. Your solitude practice allows you to drop all of that and find out who you really are and celebrate who you really are. I mean, imagine if a blade of grass compared itself to an oak tree. It doesn't make any sense. The blade of grass has to be a blade of grass, and the oak tree has to be an oak tree, because that's the way they're designed. You're designed the way you're designed, and you have a purpose on this earth that's different from everybody else's, and that person you're comparing yourself to also has a path. We each have a purpose. I talk a lot about trees in my practice with my clients. So a tree doesn't have any other responsibility except to be a tree. That's all. It has to be the treeest tree it can be. That's it. A rock's responsibility, same thing. So you're celebrating your you-ness. Be the youest you you can be. When we have a solitude practice, we allow ourselves to tap into that, being the youest you you can be. So if you're trying to be something other than you are, right at this moment, you're actually doing a disservice to yourself and creation, the great mystery, God, whatever created you. Being the best you you can be 
is the highest form of praise you can give to creation. And only you know what that is. That's the whole core of the solitude practice, getting to learn all the colors and textures, all the loves, all the dark bits and the light bits, that radiance that makes you who you are. And of course, you want to have fun doing this. That's how you give thanks for your life. Then you'll find that over a period of time of practicing solitude regularly, that your highest self is always with you, so easy to tap into. Just like meditation allows us to remain calm in conflict, a solitude practice allows you to call upon your highest self in any situation. So then imagine the benefits of that. You don't have to get bored waiting in line at the post office anymore. You don't have to bite the inside of your cheek when your family member says something stupid at the Thanksgiving table. You can tap in immediately because you know your highest self is right there at the ready for you to call upon. So when you have connected with your highest self, your time is always yours. It is always blessed with the backing of the universe, even when you're in the company of other human beings. So even when you return from solitude back into the world, you're better able to handle yourself and give that love that you've regenerated within yourself. Remember that your solitude practice is a big thank you to creation. When you are living in alignment with your true self, and you have to get to know who that true self is, that's part of the solitude practice, and then you celebrate that true self, that's part of the solitude practice, you're saying thank you to the universe for making you who you are, for finding out who you are, finding out what your strengths are that you can give back to the world around you. So make a commitment right now to honor yourself with a regular solitude practice. Here's the second exercise. Once you've made that commitment that you're going to honor yourself with a regular solitude practice, and you can do this exercise now, think of your own first name right now. Let that name be a symbol. All names are symbols, but let that name be a symbol for your unique being. Even though millions of people may share the same first name as you, what you're going to do is invest it with the singularity of your own divine personality. So you are the only you that there is, even if millions of other people have your first name. So then what you're going to do, and you can do this on a notebook for now, but I suggest you take a three by five card and write the following on it. I celebrate my, and then you insert your first name, Ness. So for me, I celebrate my Rachel Ness. I will be the name-est name I can be. Thank you, universe. So here's an example. I celebrate my Davidness. I will be the Davidest David I can be. Thank you, universe. So that's what you're going to write on your 3 by 5 card, inserting your own first name. And then you read that card out loud. You might even wish to begin and end each solitude practice session with those words to set the intention of your practice. That way, as you begin your practice... You're going to be the youest you you can be. And when you end your practice, you end it with that so that you can go out into the world continuing that practice. Add whatever affirmations you want on the card, whether they're inspiring or loving or words of joy, whatever it is. Again, this is all yours. That's just a suggestion. So now you have an idea of how to set yourself up for a solitude practice. Again, I can't stress enough what you do in those two minutes or two hours or whatever it is of solitude every day is completely up to you as long as 
you are alone, and as long as you are setting an intention to celebrate your unique being. In the next episode, we're going to talk about what you plan to do with your one wild and precious life, as the poet Mary Oliver wrote. In the meantime, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode or whatever self-related topic you're experiencing right now. You can email me at rachel at selftalkpodcast.com. Until then, many blessings on your path. I'm Rachel Astarte. Thank you for joining me on Self Talk. Aho. Uh-huh.